And without further ado, uh, the man, the myth, the legend, Lonnie Grimes, coming to bring the word this morning. Um, so, welcome the man. So, to be fair, uh, I had this message planned before Rodney's uh, word for the year. Uh, if you were here Wednesday night, we showed a, a video message from uh, Banning Leapshire, who is the pastor over Jesus Culture Church in Sacramento. Um, afterwards, uh, Rodney asked me what I thought. I was like, well, Banning stole about three quarters of my message for Sunday, so I appreciate that. Um, but I, I just, I've had this kind of burning desire for probably the last month and a half um, about sharing with you the importance of church. Um, not necessarily the church as we, you know, in America, in, in Western civilization, church is, is the building we show up to on Sundays, right? It's where we come in the door and we check our boxes that we're good Christians and we came and we sat and we listened and we went home. Um, and I've just been reminded sometimes of uh, here recent about friends that I know that are missionaries in China and the Middle East, and church for them looks completely different uh, than it does for us. And, and I think sometimes we, we have this sense, you know, religion creeps in. How many of you have ever dealt with religion, right? Uh, if you don't raise your hand, then you're probably dealing with it right now, and we'll, we'll work through it. But um, I would like to think that I'm completely out of it sometimes it pops its head up in certain ways and I'm like oh that's it's it's still there you know creeping around sometimes and it happens but um, the church is just I, I was I was talking to the Lord this morning um, and I just felt the Holy Spirit the church is the vessel that Jesus chose to build to impact the kingdom for heaven this is what he created, uh, and he's, he's pretty good at what he, he does, right? And I, and I think we've kind of developed, especially through COVID, you know, what happened, we were, Jody and I and Caleb were talking about this several weeks ago, is, you know, and a lot of churches went through this, is, is kind of pre-COVID, um, you know, we were, we were having, you know, roughly 200 to 225 people show up, uh, and again, for the record, I... I could care less about numbers. Just, just so you're tracking, I don't, I don't care if this place is completely packed out or there's five of us in here. As long as we're getting to share Jesus, Amen. I'm pretty happy about it. Um, but obviously the hope is if we're an effective church, you know, there should be growth, right? We should be impacting the people around us. We should be appealing enough that people want to come hang out with us. That, that's, that's kind of the hope, right, is that people show back up because they like, they like the environment. And, and kind of post-COVID now, we're, we're seeing what, what's kind of happened is, is one, Facebook, you know, Facebook church has kind of taken over. And, and there's nothing wrong with Facebook Live Church, as long as we understand that it's a tool. It's not the church. Uh, and what's happened is a lot of us have, have, we've taken the commitment to local church and said, hey, I can just watch it from my, my computer screen, my, my phone, and it's the same. And it's not the same, right? You miss a community. And on, you know, if you're watching Facebook Live and obviously you have health reasons or there's, you don't even live locally, understand there's, there's no condemnation with that. But if you're local and you're watching, you're getting fed from Sunday Facebook Live churches, uh, you're missing it. It's not, not the way Jesus created church to be. Uh, it's relational. You know, I was thinking about this. Why didn't Jesus, he showed up, scene, why didn't he just do it all himself? 
Why did he pick 12 disciples that were a complete mess and, and try to train them and teach them? Why didn't Jesus just write the entire Bible himself when he was here on earth? Why didn't he just say, these are all the things you need to do. This is how you do life. And then he just peaced out and went back to heaven and that was it. And we just do our thing. Why didn't it happen that way? Because he's relational. It's always been about relational. From the garden, when Adam and Eve were there with God, it was all about relation. And what happens is we take the relationship out of church. And we do that, we lose church. It's not church anymore. It's, it's just a hangout at best. Uh, and I just feel like the Lord is on this thing this year for us to, to reignite a, a passion and intentionality for our local church, yeah. a unified local church. Um, I, I live out in past Crawford, um, close to John, over there by Dixie Elementary. And when I drive down Highway 80 uh, to come here during the week or to go wherever, I lose count of how many church buildings I pass coming down the road in a, a, a 15 minute drive. And, and I, I often wonder how many of those local pastors have relationship with the pastor next door. <laughs> Uh, were any of you around when we did the vision conferences years ago when Rodney did those? <laughs> that was my first realization to, uh, um, I need to be careful in the words that I would like to use in that moment, but uh, first realization to a lot of things, but I remember meeting with local pastors and being pretty pumped up that, you know, the Lord had given Rodney this vision to do a local youth conference um, where thousands of youth showed up. And we would go to local church pastors and say, hey, this is what we're doing. We'd love for you to tag on with us and help support it um, financially, people-wise, just whatever you can do. And they'd ask, well, is our name going to be on it? <laughs> well, I mean, our name isn't. name is. It's just a conference. Well, we're going to get recognition for it. And these, these are real conversations. <laughs> and I would just kind of scratch my head and just be like, who are, we, who are we supporting around here? Like, I didn't realize this was about you. I thought this was about Jesus. Um, and these were senior pastors of local churches. And so it just shows in this Western world how disunified we've become as a body. Um, you know, there's a reason when you look back in Old Testament, there was the church of Corinth the church of Ephesus. It wasn't the First Assembly's church of Ephesus and the Methodist church of Ephesus and this church, it was, you had one. One, because obviously persecution was very much alive and well. And then two, there was a sense of the unified, there was only one Jesus, there was only one version of Christianity. Um, now I've lost count of how many denominations we have uh, in the Western church. And so we've, we've become this thing where we've gotten accustomed to uh, how it makes me feel. What are you doing for me? You know, mega churches have a huge boom. And for the record, I, I am not against mega churches. I am not against flashy worship sets. Uh, if it promotes Jesus, I am 100% for it. Okay, everybody has their different flavor. Uh, but the, the thing with megachurches and part of the growth, and, and this is stuff if you study church dynamics and church growth and history, is that two things. One, people like to be able to come in, not be seen, and go out. 
right? I just want to check it off my list. When people ask me what church you go to, I get to give them a name because I, I show up every Sunday. Uh, I show up five minutes after worship starts so I don't have to talk to anybody. And then I leave as soon as worship's over or as soon as the message is over and I'm in my car off to lunch. Um, and then two is, what is the local church doing for me? You guys all for child care? You don't, so I have to watch my own kid? I'm not doing that. Oh, you want me to volunteer to watch my own child while I go to church? I'm not doing that. You guys have coffee? Oh, you don't have coffee. Okay, well, that's not cool. Uh, you guys just have coffee, but you don't have espresso? No, the church down the road has this. You guys don't have a playground. Okay, well, what are, you know, what are my kids supposed to do? And, and we want this stuff to cater to us, right? We want it, how, how are you going to make me feel? How are you going to make my life easier on Sundays, on Wednesdays, on, during the week? And we've missed it. If you ever come to church with the intention that it's about me, you've missed it. Church should be the unified coming together of the body to worship King Jesus. All right? That should be the focus. Everything else out of that is second nature. If you, if, you, if you came here for worship and dipped out, I would have less concern. Obviously, you need to plug in, but I would have less concern than if you showed up asking, what all do you offer so it appeases me? Uh, and uh, we'll jump into Ephesians 4. I, I could preach an entire year, I think, out of Ephesians. Um, but I want to read um, th- this section of Ephesians. It talks about... It talks about the dynamic of the, the intentionality of church. Uh, Ephesians 4, we'll start in verse 11. This is uh, the English standard. It says, and he gave the apostles, he's talking about Jesus appointed the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints, that's you all, that's me, to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, and I did say that's all of us, right? Equip the saints for the work of the ministry. That means you have an obligation now. Uh, you actually are called to do the work of the ministry, whether you're called to pastoral staff uh, or not, regardless. To equip the saints for the work of the ministry for the building up of the body of Christ until we all attain the unity of faith. We're not even close. Until we all attain to the unity of faith and to the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood. So basically saying, until we all get unified in the same belief and vision that Jesus is exactly who he said he was, and that we are now mature. Maturity, that's a dangerous word in church. To the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness, and deceitful schemes, social media, news, everything else that pushes us, right? Uh, everybody has a belief, and then you watch the news, and then the belief changes to something else, and then you hear this person, hear that pastor speak, this pastor speak. And, and what happens is we're just, we're going to the next thing, right? We, we get pushed to and fro. We catch on to the, the next cool thing, the next cool pastor, the next cool thing on social media. And we're so easily swayed because one, there's a lack of maturity. We have a lot of uh, people older in number and age that are super immature. And when you have super immature moms and dads, 
Do you think that's going to produce super mature sons and daughters? No, right? What do we see right now in America is the massive dysfunction of local family. Right? You see a lot of single parent households, mostly single mom households. Dad is MIA. I've been in law enforcement for the last 12 years. I've worked Columbus, Lee County. I'm with Lee, uh, Russell County now. Uh, I've been through all the nice places in town, all the bad places in town. And I can tell you, when you have a dysfunctional household, without the grace of Jesus, it will breed continual dysfunction. Dysfunction always breeds dysfunction, always without the intervention of Jesus. And so we see that in the, the church, right? We see uh, Todd Pierce talked about it when he came uh, for uh, Debbie's funeral. And he talked about how the church has now become this thing where grandparents are responsible for, for raising their grandchildren. Uh, I know many families like that, right? The grandparents are now raising their grandkids. They're in their 70s and 80s happen to be mom and dad to kids that don't have a mom and dad. Church, what happens is you start to put the pastoral staff as the, the people in charge of maturing you and feeding you and growing you and counseling you and mother and fathering you and you do all this stuff and the people in the church, it should be the mothers and fathers, are now left being immature and ill-equipped because we missed out in our responsibility as a person of the church, right? We, we put a lot of responsibility on people that are on the stage, that are on staff, and not enough responsibility in the seats. We're all responsible to be a part of the local church. We're all responsible to be uh, moms and dads raising sons and daughters uh, that hopefully become healthy moms and dads. We're responsible to be a family dynamic where we're mentoring and counseling people. Uh, the other issue we see is, is younger people in our, uh, our world now do not like authority. You can't tell me what to do. Uh, you know, you have no authority. I see it from a law enforcement perspective. Uh, I can talk to every teacher in here, and I, I would imagine you say the same thing. You see it in a classroom. Um, you see it all over the spectrum where there's a lack of authority. And what do we see? We see a slow growth of millennials and younger coming into the church because it's great when you cater to me, but as soon as you want to give me uh, feedback in my life, I'm out. And, and part of that is our fault as a church because we haven't understood how to build family, right? If you're visiting and you come in here and I don't know you, um, unless the Lord just absolutely tells me to have a conversation with you one-on-one -on -one about something in your life, I am not going to bring you correction. <laughs> I don't have a relationship with you. That's not my role. Hopefully you have people in your life that are doing that, but that's not my role. Now, if you're family here and you've been here for a while and I have relationship with you, I should be able to give you some form of correction in an honoring way, in private, and we do it in a healthy way. But what happens is people have that, and now they back up and get offended because who are you correcting me? And it's like, well, I, I'm, you know, I'm over the hump in my mid-30s now. Uh, I have a kid, so I technically qualify as a father. I'm learning how to be a mentor. I have this role. I, I'm an associate pastor on staff. I have some place of authority to actually give counsel and insight into people's lives. And if people don't receive that, there's a dysfunction somewhere. And sometimes the dysfunction is on our side, right? The church has not done a great job from a pastoral staff over the years on managing that. Uh, we've allowed it to be 
We've allowed it to be dysfunctional, to be honest with you. We've allowed, you know, some pastors, they want to be needed. They want to be, um, it sounds bad, they want to be the Jesus for you, right? They want you, if you have problems, come to me, I'll fix them. I've seen it, I know them. Uh, this is why you have so much burnout. This is why you have so much unhealthy balance. But you have those. The issue is, I'm taking the responsibility of Holy Spirit out of your world. I don't, you don't have to have a relationship with the Holy Spirit because I'll do it for you. Yikes, no thanks. Um, when I used to live over here in Caleb's house, um, my rule of thumb was, if you showed up after hours, um, you were probably gonna have the door answered with me and a firearm in my hand. Because uh, I, I guarded my time with my wife. Unless you called me or it was like one, somebody in my inner circle, you got Jesus. You got a cell phone. You can call before you come knock on my door. Um, I, don't, I don't mind mentoring and counseling, but my hope is that I equip you enough that you have a relationship with Holy Spirit that you can solve your problems when you're in crisis. Right? And the hope is enough of you are mature enough that when you're counseling and mentoring and fathering mother, mothering these younger generations is that you're telling them, hey, I'm not your crisis intervention party at 3 a.m. unless it absolutely needs to. My hope is that I'm building enough core value into you that you know how to manage your world and manage those problems before they come to a head into that. But again, we, we're missing a gap. And, and I think God is putting this emphasis on church family this year that I've not felt previously, to be honest with you. Um, I think the Lord is really up to something intentional. I mean, he's always up to something intentional, but I feel like there's a movement going on this year that is going to be imperative to the church being healthy and family dynamic and knowing how to build structures. Last year, I felt the Lord was all about foundation. Um, my role here as associate pastor is to try to create platforms that put hands and feet to Rodney's vision. Uh, basically, my role is to make Rodney look good 24-7. <laughs> and that's my hope, right? And, and I do it because I want to, because God has called me to that, and because I have a massive amount of respect and, and admiration for Rodney. And so I don't care what it is, but if I can make him look good, if I can put action to the vision he fills the Lord on, that is my role and responsibility. And I love it. I love it. And so doing that is I felt last year was a foundational year for us. We checking foundations, making sure we have a good foundation to build on, and this year we're to build on it. But in order to do that, it takes people. It takes you saying ownership that, hey, you're not just here to get something, but you're here to give something. And I don't care if you're 16 or you're 60, you all have something to give. Um, Shane, how long have you been around here? <laughs> Yeah, how many times have you moved chairs and swept floors and done all the little stuff at, you know, a teenager, 20s? Right, all that stuff, right? All that stuff becomes imperative and now, now Shane's, you know, a father in the house. You know, Shane's, we're not asking Shane to go move a bunch of chairs and paint the, paint the church anymore, but we are hoping Shane has an impact. You know, he carries influence and he can mentor people around him. Your seasons change and your calling stays the same, but your impact should shift with the season, right? If I'm 16, I'm probably not mentoring somebody as a father because I don't know what the heck I'm doing at 16. 
All right. If you are mentoring, either I need to I need to sit down and talk with you because I'm missing something. Um, but there's some of you you're not meant. You know, you don't need to go paint the church or you know scrub and clean the parking lot. We just need you to father and mother. We just need you to mentor. Uh, Wednesday we shared that message from Banning Leapshire. Uh, and I really, I don't encourage this often, but I encourage you to go listen to that message on YouTube. It's called uh, The Church is a Family by Banning Leapshire. Fantastic, very spot on for where we're at. And he was talking about um, just the family dynamic of knowing the, the importance of your role, about how um, how it's, you know, a time to serve. And he, he was kind of listing, you have three categories when you show up to like a family Thanksgiving of people that don't serve, right? You have the kids, because kids are just running around. They're immature. They're just being kids. They're playing. You're not necessarily asking the kids to go in there and bake, you know, cook the turkey, right? If you do, again, I, I got questions. Um, and then visitors. When visitors show up, you know, you're rarely going to tell them like, hey, we need you to go, you know, do this and clean the toilet and do all this other stuff and get ready for everybody else, right? It's just, hey, have a seat. We're glad you're here. Can I get you something? Can I help out? And then sometimes you have that weird uncle that just sits on the couch and then yells at all the kids to bring them food and drinks and he doesn't really do anything. Um, what, I, what I hope is we're not all being the weird uncle. <laughs> right? We're not all just sitting there hoping that everybody else is going to do the thing while we're just being catered to. And, and I think a lot of us, myself included, have been the weird uncle at some season, right, where you think uh, somebody else is going to do it. Uh, if you study any kind of criminology, uh, there's a study that FBI did years ago about when a crime happens, there's usually a massive delay in 911 being notified. And what happens is, they call it the bystander effect, is that everybody that's watching it assumes that somebody else is intervening. They assume that somebody else is called 911. Nobody communicates it, but I just assume probably the, the guy next to me is calling. And the guy next to me is assuming, you know, probably this lady over here is calling. And then you realize nobody actually called, and now this crime has been going on, and there's a massive delay. We see the same thing in the church, right? Uh, we, we ask for nursery workers. Man, yeah, you guys really need nursery workers. Uh, but I bet that other lady's going to do it, though. Uh, so I'm good. What else do you guys need? Well, we need people to show up for serve day. Yeah, I could see how that's really important. I bet you have a lot of people show up. Uh, what, what else can I do for you? Well, we need people to show up and move chairs around. Yeah, I can understand that. Uh, I'm sure you guys have got a lot of people that are probably helping that. Uh, what else can I? And you go through this list, and it's like, well, you ask a lot of questions, but you don't show up for anything. <laughs> you don't do anything. And, and I think God is on this thing where he's, he's starting to bring correction to us about, hey, get involved. Do something. It doesn't mean you have to show up every Sunday to watch kids. All right? It doesn't mean you have to do all these things. I, I was telling people when we started asking for volunteers, make it clear that when you say yes, I'm not asking you to sign uh, your will and testament over to us and saying that, hey, you're going to commit the rest of your life to, uh, to work nursery. All right? We just need one Sunday a month. One Sunday every two months. If you just find a place to plug in, you may actually find out what your calling is. Rodney, when I came on as a teenager, would volunteer me to do a whole lot of stuff that I didn't want to do, right? Uh, I was a college pastor, didn't ask. Uh, I was a junior high pastor, definitely didn't ask for that one. Um, I've 
painted and pressure washed and cleaned. I've played janitor. I have worked nursery. Um, I have, I've done a lot of positions that I wouldn't have picked. And in that, I found out what my calling was, to be honest with you. Uh, I found out what I was good at, what I wasn't necessarily great at, junior high pastor. Uh, actually, honestly, we had a good group. It just, uh, this is why I don't have much hair left today, was taking that position. Uh, but there's things in there sometimes you don't know what you don't know. And sometimes you just have to plug into a place to figure it out, right? I, I worked uh, when I was right out of high school. Johnny Hammett gave me a job uh, working computer drafting uh, at Hammett Steel, him and Scott. And uh, I, whew, that was, I am grateful for that job. I did that job for about three and a half years. That job was not for me. Sitting in an office all day, just not how I was wired. I mean, I, it just, I was grateful, but it was not my thing. And then I got into law enforcement, I realized like, oh, I can kind of manage myself, I get to help people. I started realizing like, oh, all right, I, I was wired for this thing. I got into pastoring, kind of ministry stuff, I'm like, this is it, this is what I'm called to do. Uh, but I wouldn't have known, and the funny thing is when Johnny gave me that job, I was getting ready to submit my uh, college application to Auburn University for architecture. And uh, for whatever reason, in my head, I was convinced that's what the Lord had created me for was to be an architect. Why? Couldn't tell you. But it just sounded right. And uh, I remember going after it, and the Lord and all of his goodness, every application I put in for college, uh, I get accepted. And then my college advisors, I went through four college advisors in the span of three months. Yeah, anybody else had that problem? Uh, and at the end of it, the Lord's like, I didn't call you to go to college. Uh, even though he had told me this before. And after doing drafting for years, there was many times I'm like, Lord, thank you. Thank you, I didn't go spend four or five years to get an architectural degree to do this. <laughs> and uh, sometimes we're hard-headed, right? Sometimes you don't know what you don't know until you allow yourself to get put into it. But, uh, but I'm saying all this because I, I, I want us to get motivated to be connected, to get plugged in. Um, I was thinking about this verse the other day um, where is it? It's in Ephesians. Let me, Ephesians chapter 5, verse 25. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for. There's nobody else on this planet that I love more than my wife. None of you. My son is a very close second. Uh, but outside of that, my wife is the most important human being in the world. If she called me right now and said, I need you to come home, I would hand this mic off to Gippy and I'd walk out the door. Zero questions asked. Um, and I was thinking about the admiration and love and respect that I have for her and the stuff that um, she asked me to do. Last night, uh, our uh, son is going through sleep regressions and teething. So I think we got about four hours of sleep last night, maybe. And uh, he woke up about one o'clock crying and her being the champion she was, she's like, I got him. An hour and a half later, she comes back in and she taps me and she's like, you're in. <laughs> uh, so I go in there and I, now I have him for like 40 minutes and it's like nothing's working. And so she comes back in there. So we take him and put him in the bed and none of us sleep. You know, he's playing around and smacking us in the face and kicking me in the back. And, but I was thinking, I'm like, man, 
my wife, uh, at any other point, if you called me at 4 a.m. like, hey, man, I'm just tired. Can you come uh, watch my kid for me? Man, I would have to call you back and get along with the Lord to make sure it was him. Uh, but when my wife comes and taps me out, I'm just like, all right, like, I'd rather be asleep, but, uh, but for you, this is what I'll do. Uh, and I think about that, that same admiration the Lord has for the church. If it's that important to him, it should be that important to us. And I think we forget that. Um, it's really easy that we expect everybody else to solve the world's problems, and the church is just busy meeting on Sunday and then going home to have lunch, right? We forget that we're called to actually be impactful. We're not here just to meet and hang out, right? We're not here just to, to check a box off that we attend a church. Um, it's just not how it's created to be. And so I, I think there's an importance that the Lord is wanting us to recognize that, hey, we have a commitment to the church. We have a commitment to each other, that we should be involved, we should be impactful, uh, we should be family. Family looks like a lot of things, right? But a lot of that is self-responsibility, that you have a role to invest into, that you actually have a responsibility to say yes to. Um, kind of the, the common theme on church growth is roughly around 10 to 12% of the church is, is what volunteers and runs the church. That's pretty typical for Western church. So what are the other 90% doing? All right. Are you part of the 10 or part of the 90? Again, I understand people go through different seasons. Uh, there's, I've been in those seasons where the Lord's just say, hey, like I don't, you just need to take, take a break. I, I got my identity out of the things that I did. Right? I would do everything when I was, uh, it almost, you know, part of it almost cost me my marriage. Um, I remember I was a junior high pastor planning junior high camp, meeting with a divorce attorney at the same time, planning on getting a divorce as soon as I got back from leading, leading a youth camp. True story. Um, and I would burn myself ragged uh, doing everything else except focusing on what was my responsibility. And so I understand there's seasons where the Lord is, is giving you wisdom and hopefully counsel in your life to scale back. But you know, at, at no point would I go to Nikki and be like, hey, the Lord's just telling me I need to take a season off from being a father. You know, you got LEM for the next six months. Uh, I'm just gonna chill out over here. You know, I really just need a breather. And so if you could just handle that for me, that'd be great. Uh, I can imagine, I already know the look in my head. I can see it right now that she would give me, being followed by a no, and then that would be the end of that conversation. Um, I don't think the Lord ever calls us from taking seasons off from being mom and dad. So you may be in a season where it's like, hey, you can't volunteer all the time. That's cool. I don't have an issue with that. But you still need to be an influence. You still need to be connected. You still need to be plugged in because there's stuff that you have that nobody else has that somebody else is relying on. I can name plenty of people in here that have been moms and dads to me through seasons, through years of being around here um, that have been impactful. And if you were to say in that season, well, I just can't do it right now. I just, you have to go somewhere else. There's no telling that what, what I would have missed out on because you just sat on the sidelines. And so I, I say all this with an emphasis that I really, I really want you to understand that if the church is this important to Jesus, it needs to be that important to us. And this is above, you know, financial giving, all that stuff. I don't, I don't, to be honest, I don't care about any of that stuff. What I care about is you being a part of a family that impacts the kingdom of heaven. You being a part of a family that impacts 
the kingdom of heaven. It, it involves maturity. It involves us not being critical of people coming in. It involves us actually accepting people for who they are and where they're at. Um, there used to be a time at this church, I would never come in here with a ball cap on, let alone preach on the stage because I wouldn't even get up here by the time I filled in all the comments of why um, the Lord's anointing has left the building because I have a ball cap on, even though I can give you verse in scripture to rebuke that. But, um, but it's us getting out of this religious thing. I, I remember being at Bethel a couple of years ago. Um, I was managing, or I was leading our security team one night and uh, I think it was like a Friday night service. And someone comes and gets me and says, hey, uh, we have a couple that um, are kind of having an issue out here in the lobby. Can you come chat with them? Sure. You know, usually when we got told that, Travis will attest, that usually meant like, all right, this is going to be something stupid that I'm going to have to figure out how to manage grown adults on. So I go out there and there's this uh, male and female, probably in their 30s or 40s, and they have uh, like... Uh, Wiccan and witch uh, necklaces on and t-shirts and all this stuff and and uh, so I introduced myself to him and you just ask him hey you know what's going on how can I help you well we were in the church um, just trying to you know visit and see what's going on and somebody on the um, I guess the ushers team is what he said came up and told us that uh, we didn't need to wear the stuff in here that we needed to leave or go out to the car and change if we had an extra set of clothes that uh, it was a distraction and I was like well do you remember who this person was oh, it was that person over there Got it. Well, let, let me say on you know, behalf of staff, I apologize for that. It's actually not how we operate. Um, not, nothing they had on was vulgar. Again, it was just uh, a bunch of, bunch of stuff they believed in. Um, Jesus isn't intimidated by witchcraft or any of that junk. Uh, I can guarantee you. And so I just apologized to him and said, hey, that's actually not our culture here. Uh, I'm sorry that happened. I'll address with this individual. Uh, I would really love for you to stay for service and worship. So that's okay. And, you know, she's like, well, we're going to and then we'll come back. I was like, all right, well, if you need just let me know, and uh, I'll be glad to help you. So they go out and do their thing, and I see him about 10 minutes later come back in, and, uh, you know, I just kind of wave at him, and I was like, hey, if you need anything, just tell me. Okay. Well, you know, I go and talk to the, the usher that had made the comment and kind of, um, corrected the thought process there and, and then we kind of went on about it well the end of service is over they had ministry team up front and they're kind of doing their thing and I see the couple go forward and I'm kind of watching you know when I get a moment and then I go up there afterwards and uh, I talk to the person they were talking to and I was like hey did that go was that well did everything go good because sometimes we'd have some interesting interactions and she was like yeah they came up and actually gave her the life to the Lord and um, ended up getting saved. And those, that couple continued to come back to services at Bethel. And, and again, it wasn't anything that I did, but it was a great example of, of how, if we allow it, religion can, can continue to derail somebody else's world, right? At no point is Jesus uh, concerned if somebody in the homosexual lifestyle comes in here or witchcraft or any other thing that you think is, you know, out of the, the, the uh, healthy norm or whatever. Jesus is way bigger than any of that. 
And, and to be okay with having a growing church, an impactful church, you're going to see that. I hope we see that. I hope that we have a house that's family enough that people can come in in their dysfunction, in their mess, in their odd beliefs, in whatever's going on, and feel like they have a place here. Uh, I'm not, I mean, I, I don't care if you're gay. Jesus is bigger than all that. He'll figure that out with you. Uh, I don't care that you're into some weird stuff. That's okay. Uh, I've had some weird thoughts through the years. I preach some stuff I don't even believe in anymore. Like, hopefully it's about maturity, right? Hopefully we have counsel and family in our life that help direct us and, and mentor us. And, and my hope is that we become a church that has a reputation of being family and, and loving and impactful to the community that we're in. Right. Hopefully it's not. Well, yeah, I went to that church one time uh, and as soon as I walked in the door, um, I had some ripped jeans on and someone said something about stuff that happens. Right. I walked in the door and I wasn't dressed a certain way or um, I had to go take a smoke break outside and someone said something. Look, I I don't care about any of that stuff. (laughs) Welcome to being family. How many of you have a family that's not dysfunctional in some sort? (laughs) Right? (laughs) Right? Exactly. Right. We're all there. Right. You all have those Thanksgiving Christmas parties where you're like. There he is. Like, uh, if he's going to be in the kitchen, I'm going to hang out outside. Like, look, we all have them. It's okay. But if people ask you, are you related to that person? Most of the time, right? You're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that, that's uncle. You know, you accept it. They're family. You you love them. You appreciate them. It may not be someone you call on the weekend to go hang out, but right, they're still family. And that's how the church should be, is that we're family. We're not always going to see eye to eye. You're not always going to have times where you agree on everything. You're going to get upset. But family still, you know, as soon as something happens, when my brother does something that makes me mad, I don't go, you know, petition the court to show a license agreement that now shows that he's not my brother anymore. I, I want to pull myself from this altogether. I, I don't even want to be associated with him. It's like, no, I just tell him, you know, hey, I was right, you were wrong, get it together. Right? So... If he was here, he would tell you that's about accurate, even though it's not true all the time. But um, So I, I just want to end with this again. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. If you take nothing else that I told you today, if you can go out with this and just meditate on husbands, love your wives the way Christ loved the church. If you can love the church the same way that Jesus does, everything else will figure its way out. Everything else will figure its way out. All the dysfunction, all the thoughts, all the stuff will figure its way out. And so this is what I want to do as we're starting to close. I want to ask you to recommit yourself to the church. Uh, This isn't one of those weird, you know, I've seen it. Just recommit yourself to the Lord and everybody stands up and it's like it looks great and everybody does a thing. Uh, I, I don't care if you don't stand up. If you're visiting and you're like, I'm just visiting here. I'm not asking you to commit yourself to here. Uh, I hope you come back. I hope you get to know us. I hope you plug in. Uh, I hope we become family for you. Um, but you're visiting. I just want you to enjoy. But if you're family here, you've been here, uh, what I want to do is I want to ask you in just a minute to stand up if you're saying, hey, I recommit my, my intentionality, my responsibility, my dedication to this house. Um, we're not going to pass out sign-up cards to try to get you, get you plugged in, none of that stuff, because there's responsibility on your end, right? It's responsibility for you to say, hey, how can I help, all right? I see trash on the ground, pick it up. I know that we're short-staffed somewhere, 
Ask if you can volunteer. I need to play. You have gift sets that I know nothing about that I don't have that we need. We, we need it. And so I want you to take some self-responsibility and say, hey, yep, I'm going to say yes. I'm going to say that, hey, for the next 12 months here, I'm going to plug in. I'm going to commit myself to this house, to commit myself to what God's doing here in whatever way he leads me. So if you can do that, I want you to stand up. If that's not you, if you're in a different season, don't stand. There is no judgment. There's none of that stuff at all. Um, but if you do stand, uh, you know, I, I, my hope is that you're saying yes to this. You're saying yes that, hey, I'm calling Auburn Heights home. I'm saying this is, this is my house. Uh, hopefully not until you get mad in a couple of weeks and leave. Hopefully, uh, hopefully you're here. And we can say, hey, we're family. We're going to figure this out together. We're going to grow this. We're going to, our hope is to be impactful to the community around us. Uh, I really believe the Lord has grown this house this year. And again, I'm not into a numbers thing, but I am into an impact thing. Um, that we're called to be equipped and we're called to be impactful. And I believe that's what the Lord is doing this year. And so, so God, you see the ones that are standing, myself included, uh, and I just want you to tell them in your own words, God, I recommit myself to this house. I recommit myself to your purpose for this house. God, we just pray that uh, these words aren't just words. God, they're, uh, they're words that lead to action. They're words that commit us to saying, yeah, we want to serve this place. Uh, we want to bring our strengths, our gifts, our father and mother and heart to this house. And God, we want to see our house, this community, and other churches uh, around here impacted for your goodness. God impacted for you. This isn't about Auburn Heights getting any kind of recognition. We could care less about that. This is about you being seen for who you are. God, this is about you uh, being recognized as a good father that cares about his children. And so, Father, I just ask you uh, to just continue to remind us, continue to show us even in dreams about how we can plug in, how we can bring our strengths to this place. And God, that you just give us uh, just godly wisdom and revelation on how to continue to grow, on how to continue to impact what you're doing. God, I thank you for this family. I thank you for the ones that stood and the ones that didn't. I thank you for the seasons that we're in. I just ask you to bless all of us in here, God, that uh, through the season of transition that you're faithful. Uh, God, you're faithful to do greater works. God, you're faithful to do greater works. Yeah, in Jesus' name.